Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. Stay tuned for a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host Nick Scopes and the Gregolicious. You know how we do, cause you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty Pop your kitty Cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty And we make shit sound so damn pretty Yeah Cause this unhinged comedy And right now you're in the mix So get ready Cause we gotta get it poppin' And we poppin' I'm educated, unfiltered, unhinged This the Mangina Dialogues Oh man, hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I'm the Gregalicious. And it looks like our guest today, Melissa Rivers, is really enjoying that song. Oh my God, I love your theme song. Now, did you guys write that? <laughs> um, we did not write it. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we helped construct it. That means sure. someone else wrote it and you went, ooh, I liked it. That's 100% what happened. <laughs> it, it the was, fact that you're, you know, I don't know how old you are. But I'm assuming somewhere in middle age. Me or him? I'm talking about Greg, right? Yeah. Yeah, I look young. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You look you're wearing young. a Britney t-shirt. <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we're friends already. <laughs> Good. 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 Well, I need a theme song like that. Well, I got, to, I got two guys who can construct it for you. They're puppets. Love that. Yeah. Love that. I, need, I need a theme song like that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's catchy, I did, right? It's a little I, ridiculous. The first I time did, Greg played it for me, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I gave him only two words that I needed in it, and one was unhinged and one was unfiltered, and that's what they came back with. And nice. We got what we got. Yeah, I, I would give them, trying to think what I would give them with, over, I would give them overeducated and... Um, I don't know what I would I would put with I would probably put with overeducated gives really bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. Overeducated. <laughs> He's right. And look what I did. And look look what I well, look what I've done with my life. <laughs> I have not used my my extremely expensive Ivy League education whatsoever professionally. Yeah, I saw but- I saw that when I looked when I was looking stuff up about you. I was like, oh my god, you went to Penn. Yeah, and boy, wasn't that money well spent by my parents? (laughs) (laughs) What was your What was your major? You're gonna laugh at me. Yeah, probably. Let's hear it. European history. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I love history. And look at the net sum of what I've done with that. You know, let's see. Let's see all the things I've done. Uh, oh, there's what I like to think about, which is the red carpet and the fashion, which I'm not sure if I will be going to heaven or hell. <laughs> and so basically, I think what I've done with my life is like sort of somehow like release the kraken. You know what I mean? Well, I, I want to talk about that for a second. So like fashion police, which, you know, whatever you want to make of it is, Hilarious. you know, I, being a guy, I hardly took fashion seriously, but... I must have watched many, many hours of, of you and your mom on that show just just because, right? Funny. So the cultural Very impact funny. of fashion police, which I think you guys coined that phrase anyway, right? Well, I and well, how about in live from the red carpet and all that? Right. Unfortunately, we do not own any of it <laughs> or the trademark or anything. Because if I did, I would be on my yacht somewhere, <laughs> not sitting here. <laughs> Talking to us. Oh, yeah. Really Old manginas. Yeah. <laughs> the hell of a way bad, to spend a Friday. All on our parts. But we never knew if it was actually going to ever turn into anything or work. Right. Like I said, I'm not sure if, if I've actually like hurt culture or helped culture. Well, I, I fear it's hurt. Well, I think <laughs> it depends. I mean, look at, look at how big that is now at any event. Right, the whole red carpet. I mean, I, I've been on them. It's it's insane. I've been on like they shut down Hollywood Boulevard oh, for movies, crazy. things like. And it's I grew fun. up. I, it's funny because I grew up. Nick Nick knows this. I grew up basically living at the Beverly Hilton, right? And I was there every Golden Globes for years and years and years as a kid with my parents. Right. And 
It was so fun because you would be riding the elevators up and down to yeah, all the parties. And, it was like a big giant house party. But I was like a kid. And even at that, like, certainly you would see stars there. Not more. like but well, not like now and then no definitely not and then all of a sudden you and your mom you build this thing and now boom it's the biggest thing at any event any award show well, at at everything. yeah true so now who knows yeah <laughs> but i think that that's you know good or bad i think it's phenomenal well thank you i appreciate that but it goes back to look how much you know i i think somewhere deep in my parents heart they really did hope that I would do more, um, more with my education. Right. But I, I'm a good writer. I can read, I read constant nonfiction. I'm in the middle of another book about Churchill. So it's, it's always, you know, it's multiple parts of my, my, my personality, but I also think that's why I was good working live because it, with my earpiece in, it was just one extra voice. Yeah. Many that were having conversations. Right. And they threw me off. I'm just like, hmm, was that the tracker? The other did side of my mom, Did your mom ever like, was there a point where you maybe made a decision? Like, I want to get into show business. And your mom was like, listen, <laughs> like, did she like try to talk you out of it? Like I'm one of those. Well, my parents always said from the time I was very young, you know, we're not going to tell you what to do or what not to do. You're going to find your own way, but do know that entertainment and showbiz is a life of constant rejection. Yeah. And so I got to school as a freshman and I thought, I'm not going to be in the entertainment business. This is it. I'm going to take a totally different track. And the genius track I came up with was because it's, you know it was like a joke like really you're gonna they're basically the same yeah and then um i was completely locked in on i wanted to do something either in marketing or advertising um and then i remember it like it was it's so distinctly it was freshman year and i was reading a magazine or someone was reading a magazine and they were talking about one of the people in the magazine and they're like oh my god i love her she's so nice and i thought oh my God, this person is a raging bitch. <laughs> I, I can't live in the real world. They're like, oh my God, I love her. I can't believe what's happening. And I'm like, she's a terrible human being. Like, I, 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 I can't live, you know, the curtain's been pulled too far back for too many years. And that's sort of just how I kind of rolled into it. Right. But I remember that distinctly. Huh. So... I mean, you. I mean, you got to admit that's a weird epiphany. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird. (laughs) You're right. I can never watch TV. I can never, you know, or someone was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe." Could you believe they did that? I'm like, "Yeah, I can tell you how they did it. They had a green screen, you know." (laughs) Too much knowledge, you know. I I can't. I couldn't live in the civilian world. Right. So, like in the early days of that show, I imagine you and your mom had a tremendous amount of freedom. No. <laughs> um, we we did because at the time E was so edgy and experimental. But before every show, we were always reminded of the words we were not allowed to oh, say. Oh, right, right. You but know, as far it, as like who you talked to and and how you interviewed them and what you said and how you talked about the clothes, yeah. I I imagine that was obviously I, you don't know what they're wearing. I guess yeah, until they show the up. People who worked at E with us at the time and created that whole genre. I mean, one of my bosses who was very instrumental in helping create all of this used to say, we took walking, we made walking into a building a party. Right. Yeah. And a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it was really, it was about, we made it, we made walking into a building right. musty viewing. Right. I mean, until you guys did that, was, I mean, I can't remember anyone asking anyone what they wore, what they're wearing. Well, there was not all the live. It was always photos and some right. clips and some little interviews along the way. It was a vastly different experience. So, but I mean, we remember at the time that we started at cable was very edgy. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, so but we were always very reminded of 
you know, certain parameters and language. And we're not stupid. My mother always knew kind of exactly where the line was. Right. Every now and again, something would slip out. I was, I think I was more frightened about accidentally cursing than she was. Right. How, how did that show? I'm trying not to do now. Oh, you can let it rip. No, here it's all I, good. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be. It's, it's a lost cause. I think. How did that show come to be? Like, I don't, you know, like, I don't think of your mom or, you know, obviously that's how we came to know you was a fashion person. Like she was always a fashion person. You go back to the days on the Carson show. Right. And, you know, at the time she um, had a deal with at one point with Calvin Klein that she only wore Calvin Klein and she was way ahead of the curve on all of that. Um, You know, always way ahead of the curve. It was always designer. It was always this. And it really started to have this strange impact that people would write in to find out what she was wearing. Oh, wow. And when she had her daytime talk show, she had a deal with Barney's New York. Wow, all right. Um, And they said whatever she wore on the show that day, without fail, they would sell it. Wow. But she was always always a clothes person. Always, always, always. What about you? Like... Where do you fit into that? Oh, where do I fit into that? Um, you know, I I think because my mother was always so dressed and always so, not put together, but very formal, lived in a very sort of, you never go out, you know, unless you're like 100%. Yep. I definitely went the opposite. But I do have my uniform and I a fairly, I, I live more by my uniform and variations on it. Right. So, and it's, you know, over the years, there's days where I like, oh my God, I look, I just roll out where you're just like sunglasses and a baseball hat. But in general, I mean, I'm wearing a variation of the uniform today, which is a white t-shirt and jeans. Cause I feel like I can't really fuck that up. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, we saw Melissa Rivers and she looked horrible. Right. Like I kind of can't mess it up. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask that, like, is there a tremendous amount of pressure when you go out, especially during those years to, to not oh, have that day? Those years for sure. Had to be tough. People were it looking was. for holes, I bet. Just yeah. looking for a reason. There, there are certain things like I'm always make sure that at least when I'm walking in or out of an airport, I don't look horrific. Right. But I tend to keep it pretty simple and and wearable. Yeah. But still pulled together and clean and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's funny because I, I, I fly a lot back and forth in New York to LA and it's I, I, when I get on an airplane, I am in as comfortable clothes as I possibly can be, right? Just couldn't be more comfortable. And then I look, you know, at the people sitting next to me who are, you know, celebrities or a few rows, and I'm like, I feel so bad that you got to get that dressed up to get on a plane just <laughs> so when you enter JFK and exit LAX, the people taking the pictures are, you know, getting you in a good light. I mean, that, like, I would not want that pressure. But I mean, I have like my airport outfits. Yep. In the sense of like, you know, it's never like heels are fully dressed yeah. up. Either like a t-shirt with a jacket that I can then take off or a nice sweater and jeans and cute shoes or, you know, just try and keep it, you know, that again, that I don't look like I just rolled out of bed and you've been on 6 a.m. out of JFK yep. or the 6 a.m. out of LAX yep. where it's just you don't want to be in anything but your sweats. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't allow, but on, whenever I used to, because we don't do that anymore, would travel uh, overseas or anything like that, I would change into sweats on the plane and then right. change again when I, I, Yeah, I saw J- Jamie Foxx was sitting a few seats ahead of me on a flight, and I, I looked at him almost the entire flight just because of the outfit that he was wearing, trying to think in my mind how long it took him to pick out that outfit just to get on the airplane. Like, you know, when you travel a lot, you have your your standards. I do a lot of like the concert tee and the jacket, yeah, yeah. and like a good yeah. belt and cute shoes. Yeah. And then as soon as I get on the plane, the belt is off, my socks. <laughs> you know, I have my airplane sweater that's like a hoodie. I can pull yeah. it all the way over if I'm trying to sleep. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's well, my uh, my grandmother when she was a kid. She was a bit of a tomboy, and at the time, this is 1950. You know, that wasn't really acceptable. So her mom, you know, she always had to wear a skirt and things like that, but she would just wear jeans underneath her skirt, roll them all the way up, wait till she got around the corner and then would roll them down yeah. <laughs> and take the skirt off. 
Well, I, I was very much, also I grew up very much a tomboy. And same thing, if I had to wear a dress, they had to let me wear shorts underneath. Because what if I needed to climb a tree? Yeah, right. Or do a wheel? <laughs> you know what I mean? You had to think ahead. Yeah, yeah it's true. You grew up in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, like, my parents moved here when I was three. You never lived in New York? Well, I, from zero to three. Right, well. <laughs> I spent a lot of time there. So then you went, but your mom lived in New York, right? Wasn't your mom a full-time New Yorker? Only after my dad passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that she was a full, like she was, well, that makes sense. Which would have been very odd that I was in Los Angeles and my right. parents were full-time New Yorkers. That would, right. you, know, you might want to call child not <laughs> good, good play. <laughs> well, I thought it may be, you know, post-college. No, that's yeah. And my dad passed away while I was in college, and then she definitely went back to New York. Right, got you. Okay. What uh, I mean, speaking of of your dad, I mean, this is a month that I'm sure it means a lot to you and and your philanthropic work. Yes, it is suicide prevention month. Yeah. And the thing, there, actually, you know, I don't mean to go serious, but a study just came out from the CDC that in the last like six weeks one in four teens or young adults has contemplated suicide. Wow. That's bad. Yeah. That's yeah, this is, really this is not a great year for people that are having mental health issues either. No, this and I'm a big awesome mental year. health advocate and a big suicide prevention advocate. And I'm on the board of a group called Didi Hirsch Mental Health and Suicide Prevention. And they're one of the first ones that established a, a full-time hotline and they're very sort of very much always on the cutting edge and the forefront of, of working with people. And our big event every year, which this year was virtual, is called Erasing the Stigma. Right. And I think that's really where I fall into the conversation, which is you must talk about it. There is help. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. All of us have times where we don't feel good and, and you have to make it especially okay for your teens to not feel like there's something wrong with them if they're having these emotions and encourage them to talk. Yeah. You know, I'm very open with my friends and with like my son. I would say, you know what? I, I'm feeling really crappy in the same way you are, or this is really hard. You know, so yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's interesting is I, I rarely use Facebook, right? But, and it's my birthday this month. So, Happy birthday. What number is it? <laughs> ah, he hates talking about his age. How old are you going to be, Greg? You behind you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mark. So 50. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it wasn't a hard. Game. First of all, saying you know what, I'm 52 this year, so yeah, yeah um, it wasn't hard math. What about you, Nick? You're being awful quiet. He's I'm a little 30, boy. I'm 32. He's a child. He's I'm so a 32. We have almost matching glasses. I've been trying yeah, to get rid of him for years. Bloggers. So you know, like on Facebook, that you know, when I I don't know, it's new. I've never seen it before. It was like pick a charity, and instead of getting get whatever, you know pick a charity and we'll tell your friends to donate to this charity on behalf of your birthday. So I picked suicide prevention charity, right? Thank you. And, and right. And I just, you know, I did it because, you know, the person that really inspired me to start this podcast with Nick um, is a comedian who took his own life a couple of years ago. So, you know, I just thought it was appropriate. And I cannot tell you how many Facebook friends of mine have either donated or reached out to me privately and said, Hey, that's really cool. That's an, that's an important you know, thing to me, or I support that because of this. And I was completely taken aback by how many people I, I really was. You know, so, and it's, all about, it's about erasing the stigma. That's what it really comes down to, which I think, you know, that's always been sort of our slug line for lack of a better way of describing it at D.D. Hirsch is it's all about erasing the stigma about mental health and very much the part where I fall in is, is suicide. Right. Yeah, and just being comfortable to ask for help, get have a have a chat. You know, I tell that to my kids all the time. I'm like, you know, just either talk to me. You got a million people you can talk to. Just talk. Yeah. Because you know, if you hold I it inside, that's where you get problems. I couldn't imagine. I I couldn't imagine being a teenager today. Like I just couldn't even. I couldn't even fathom it. Like with everything, like the advancements in social media and like Snapchat, and you just have you're constantly inundated with stuff like for example like if you were in high school and say i liked a girl and then i asked her out she said no i don't want to hang out but then i see on some other dude's instagram story they're hanging out instant I, depression like you don't know back then when i was in high school at least we didn't really i mean there was facebook when i turned 18 but that was it like well, that was and really I mean, it and and having and my son's 19 now and having raised a teen or teenager dealing with all the social media it's insane yeah, it's crazy. crazy. And everybody knows what everybody's doing and is up in everybody's business. 
and you have to be really, as a parent, on top of it to make sure that there's not bullying and not bad things. And also that your kids aren't doing it unwittingly. Right. And also, which is a big lesson, and I don't know, Greg, how old your kids are, it doesn't go away. Oh, yeah, they're teenagers. Okay. But no, I'm saying it's, it's, you can say, oh, Snapchat, it disappears. No, it doesn't. Nothing disappears. Oh, absolutely not. I've, I've, I've given my kids too. Two, two very important. How old are they? 13 and 16. Oh, you're in the thick of it, man. <laughs> Tell me about it. Two boys. You are in the thick of it. <laughs> it's an ongoing thickness. <laughs> I hope it thins yeah. out sooner my, my or later. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. So I told them two things, and I, I think they're good pieces of advice. Never send any kind of body part in, in, in any kind of electronic media where your face is in it. <laughs> right? Like you can, you know, that's just, don't ever do that. Don't. And also at the same time, don't think that the person you're sending to is not going to show it to a hundred other people, no matter what, what I would say to my son, I would say, don't post anything that you would freak out if I saw it. That's exactly, that's what I was going to say second is if don't do anything that you think your mom would be embarrassed by you, you know, seeing of yours. And then the other important piece is don't ever talk to a police officer without an attorney present. Yes. <laughs> no, they cannot search your car without <laughs> justifiable cause. Like that just is a given, you know, speeding yeah. tickets, that's fine. But if you're just minding your business walking down the street, just be nice, be respectful and don't say anything. Yeah. I always say to my son who is a really good kid, but since he was little had this terrible affinity for somehow always being at the scene of the crime. Yeah. Yep. And so we've had this talk for many, many, many years. And honestly, <laughs> like, he was like, I had nothing to do with it. And he, he didn't, but he was always at the scene of the crime. Yep. I'm like, is what, 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 what's up? What, what, who are your friends? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like you need, to, you need to teach him to run. Like, get the oh, hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, that, that was when I'm like, dude, go go like he's always at the scene of the crime if they really need to talk to you they'll find you is he at college now like is he physically away at school yeah he just started his sophomore year i'm an emptiness nice. oh wow so their school's all right with all the covid stuff like everyone's cool or? no it's you know they're on hybrid and we just got a, a thing yesterday saying you know and my son's an athlete that two of the athletic teams have had people test positive. So, you know, they're suspending all sports, sports all varsity sports. One of the fraternities just got locked down for 14 days because they all tested positive. It's, a, you know, it's a shit show, just wow. like everywhere. Yep. Yeah. It everywhere. It's, just, it's just a flat out shit show. So there, there's one other TV show I, I really want to talk to you about because I remember when this was on, it was one of my favorite shows in, in the reality space. The, oh, I'm a celebrity. Please get me out of here show. Oh my God. Okay. So what do you want to know? Let me tell you how I ended up on it. Yeah. I just want to know everything. Like, okay. <laughs> like you remember that show? What <laughs> it was when I was on it was very different right. than sort of what the, it became. Well, you're on the first one, right? Or the first, yeah. Right? Yeah. The first US one. Right. It was sort of pitched to me as kind of like celebrity survivor light. Yeah. Which is not what it turned out to be. <laughs> so for weeks, I'm training. I've got a trainer. I'm running uphill with a backpack. Right. Um, you mean, I am lifting. I am training. I am, you know, I'm getting mentally ready for all this. I mean, I come in like, I'm very competitive. I'm like, I am not going in. I'm going to win, but my first goal was to be the last woman standing. Right. And unfortunately, when that happened, I had to sort of readjust my goals. <laughs> but I mean, I went in ready, like beast mode. I mean, I literally was running uphill wearing a backpack training. Um, and then we got there and it was a little bit different. But I mean, that permutation, it was much more physical. Right. Yeah. But it was, there were a lot of unexpected production issues that happened starting with the torrential rain yeah. um it just it, it, it for me the hardest part was what i was told to expect and what happened isn't necessarily what happened right 
But I have to say, I became very good friends with Chris Judd, who I love and adore. It came down to the two of us. Um, it was definitely an experience, but I'm glad I did it because at least then it was a little bit closer to a survivor than it, the later editions. Yeah. So, were, were there people that you just flat out didn't get along with? I don't say who they are. I pretty much get along with most people. I'm pretty easy to get along with. There were some that I just did not like. Yeah. But it looks like anything. You're like, okay, I can deal with this. And then I found out later, like someone, one particular was like really saying horrible things about me. Like summer and, camp. What? Like summer camp. Yeah. And then we all had to sort of fly home together on the plane. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know you had a problem with me. I was one of your biggest advocates. And John, you know, you people come to me saying, oh, she's just crazy. I'm going to be like, no, come on guys, give her a chance. And you're like, and you slammed the shit out of me? <laughs> and you were on a flight home from Australia? How long, <laughs> how long was the taping? A couple weeks? What? How long was the taping? A couple weeks? Uh, a couple weeks. Yeah. A couple weeks. So that, I don't know. That just seems like a fun thing to sign up for. Uh, yeah, I would have gone into it thinking like it's, it is Survivor light. Like if you want to do Survivor, like go on Celebrity Survivor. <laughs> like we're not, they're not going to kill us. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, can, we yeah. might be challenged, but I figured Celebrity Survivor, you know, perfect. You know, my son was still young enough that he wouldn't realize how long I was gone for. Um, and it, I really thought it was going to be like, oh, this is, this is going to be great. Like you said, I'm a tomboy. I'm an athlete. All this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Like, Survivor light. Yeah. Like, they're going to feed us. <laughs> kind of, you know, unlike Survivor. <laughs> whatever they do. And, you know. Mm, not so much. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I was in good shape by the end of it. By the yeah, time I, bet. I, mean, sure. I got down there like ripped. It's ready. Fun. It's fun when you have something to train for, too. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm gonna go in and because they expect everyone. I always know that when they hire me for one of these shows, or that like when they offered me the show originally, I said absolutely not. They're expecting like you know my pretty pony princess girl. So I went in like, oh, no, 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 you guys don't know me. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, that was a big problem because it kept, it throws off the script. Right. Because I was not the person they thought they, they were getting. They, right. Yeah. They were not expecting someone going, you know, I'll, I'll race up the hill. Right. To whatever, you know, so yeah. it, I think it threw them off a little bit. Also, never hire someone who's also a producer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because they're gonna tell you how to do your job especially when things were going wrong right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true so you know, there's like one inside story if you yeah, want it yeah definitely oh yeah so it's pissing down rain and we have all sorts of drama because of the rain and it's super muddy and we're living in standing water and chris and i start trenching the whole camp because we got to get the standing water out of there what we didn't realize was they had built the camp like it wasn't on real ground they had right. sort of made it yep and it's pouring rain and we're digging and we hit cables <laughs> okay so we hear over the speaker like stop right so they we they stop down and the producers come out one of a couple of them i knew but the main one who i was one of the people who would talk me into doing it um yeah, I'm like, you can't, and I, of course, became the representative. I'm like, you can't have us, this is really, like, people are going to get really sick. You can't have us living in standing water. Yeah. Well, we're going to trench it. And I said, I go, I forget how it started. But I'm like, how could you have not been prepared for this yeah. kind of rain? Right. Goes, oh, well, we were told it was a drought season. <laughs> and I said, did anyone ask what drought in the rainforest actually means? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so it's nine inches instead of 15? I'm like, you know, so I kind of went a little bananas at that point. That's why I say, like, never, I got us, you know, I'm like, you have to give us a chance to dry our clothes. You have to get water out of here. And everybody got really sick. After. Wow. That was a bad, bad situation. People, I got really sick. Chris got really sick. A couple other people, we got really sick after. Like when you got home, you got sick. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's. Chris got sick enough that he couldn't fly home. Oh man. Jesus. 
for a couple yeah. weeks. If I'm remembering correctly, it was a while ago, but I think there were like two, he couldn't fly for like two weeks. And I got home and I ended up having to go to like, I had these, all these weird bumps. Yeah, I'm, I'm one sure. right by my eye and I ended up going to an infectious disease guy. And, uh, <laughs> so that two week vacation Jesus. didn't seem. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, so then transitioning to the other reality show, um, The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we, everyone knows the, what happened, but your mom wins, yeah. right? So that obviously must have been like somewhat bittersweet, but at the same time, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you just assume is going on what goes on on one of those shows. But that's got to be pretty awesome to see your mom win that show. It was great. It was great to watch her win. That, believe it or not, is the hardest show I've ever done. Right. And ended up being like the most physically taxing, emotionally taxing, much more than get me out of here. Really? Oh, six days a week starting, you know, 6 a.m. And ha- but how long were you actually taping for? Uh, I was there quite a while. Right. You know, because when you're doing the show, you, each task is two days. Right. So it's a you know, very compressed schedule. So you're doing basically an episode every two days. Oh, wow. That is, that's a lot. And how yeah. long did that tape for? Oh, God, I don't remember. I don't know. I think I blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> she just went. Did you see her gaze? She just went yeah. to like a different dimension. It's like yeah. Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> it was a little PTSD. But I was there for a while. Like I didn't have long enough to like come home and right. regroup and go back. I think I flew home for like a long weekend right? or a couple days after I was let go. Right. And then I, I turned around and came back. It was a very tight schedule. Right. Because like I said, you do an episode every two days and you yeah, get one yeah. day a week off. You got Sundays off. And then we're like, when they're doing that, everyone is just scattered wherever they are. Well, they put people, most people, um, they put them up. Right. All in wherever from tower place, whatever. Um, I obviously stayed with my mom yep. at her place. And people who had residences in New York stayed yeah. in residences. Was there a lot of socializing amongst the cast? No, but you're so tired. Right. And, you know, literally, well, especially for the women, because we would have 5.36 a.m. hair and makeup call times. And you go until you're done. Right. Basically, I mean, they usually cut us off around nine. And then the next morning you're up again. Wow. And you're doing that six days a week and you do get a lunch break. Or no, do we get a lunch break? But you can keep working through lunch and we would, you could keep working through dinner. Right. Did you enjoy so, the experience? Um, I guess, you know, I love that my mom won. Um. I love that my mom won. So yeah, it was a good experience. Again, it's an experience. I'm glad I did it. Right. You know, it was cool to do. Right. Well, I was rooting for your mom from day one. <laughs> as a producer, for me, I would step back, especially because I was producing on the red carpets. It, like, yep. I would step back and look around and try and figure out how they were putting the whole show together. So it really became, for me, a masterclass in production. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so when I would get frustrated, I would look, and then you'd come friendly with the crew, and they would always slip me, a couple of them would slip me the master call sheets so I could look and see how they were staggering everyone, who was where, who was doing what. So it really was, I would take time every day to step back. Oh, that's cool. That's it was really, it was a master class in, in yeah. producing. Wow, that's awesome. Just even how they set up the teams of producers jumping each other, and I mean, so I, I learned a ton. That's good. So that's certainly worth the experience. Yeah. Doing that. So now let's talk about your podcast. Let's talk about my podcast. We're all on the same wonderful platform. Yeah. Plug it. Store it. Store it. How did this come to be? Um, gosh, I don't know. I just, I've been wanting to do one. And I pitched a couple times at like some of the other places and everyone's like, nah, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And I thought, screw it. I'm going to start it myself. 
And it really, and two of my very close co-workers, friends from E, who are no longer there, came to me and said, we got to do a podcast. This all sort of happened at the same time as I'm like, you know what, let's try it. And so we got together and what was going on at the time was it was during, um, oh my God, it was during the last election cycle. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, and it was this election cycle. Sorry. And um, no, it couldn't have been this one. Anyway, <laughs> well, no, because here was the thing was I have a great group of friends from Penn and we have this big group text and there was something going on. I don't know. Rem- quite remember what it was. And it was hilarious reading the threads because all of us were watching ind- independently, but all on our group text. It was hilarious. And that's sort of what gave me the inspiration that we should do, that I should call it group text. Right. Because it really, that's, that's something it wasn't during the last cycle. Um, Cause this whole time I've been obsessed with Bernie Sanders hair. <laughs> At the debates, his hair was amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to go back and look. Yeah. It was like done. And it was actually <clears throat> one of the debates that had a little bit of shine to it. <laughs> It wasn't standing up. He wouldn't look like the heat miser. Like it was good. Well, you know, yeah. people from Vermont don't get enough credit for their good hair. But, no, I mean, whoever they had doing his hair for the debates, two thumbs up. Anyway, um, so that's why I said to call it group text because we're always talking about something and everyone's very opinionated. And I thought, if I'm talking about this with my friends, other people are going to want to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And so it's just, everyone's like, well, what's it about? I'm like, it's whatever I feel like is interesting. We've done everything from cults to um, very serious. I did a whole series called Can We Talk, Can We Listen, which is also the name of my foundation during all of the unrest where we had really serious conversations. We had some very serious COVID conversations. And last week, I think, was sex and intimacy during COVID. And we had on a sex therapist. And a porn star. And a porn star. Well, because if you want to talk about sex, you got to have someone representing the industry. 100%. 100%. You gotta talk to the pros. Got, you, got, you, you know, and that is what my education has taught me. Always make sure you're doing your research and finding the experts. Yep. Yeah. We had a couple on in uh, about a year ago. We did one with um, these two girls um, who have a <clears throat> podcast called Shameless Sex. And it's yeah. all, Amy it's and not, like, yeah, it's not gratuitous. It's, it's like a, it's like a health like a sex health podcast. And they taught Nick what his colon was. Oh, how lucky for you. <laughs> My prostate, you mean? Prostate, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know where his colon was. It was a little bit alarming, but I was just going to run with it. <laughs> sorry. I well, no, what, I, what I asked the porn star was, how has, how, because it's, apparently, how people are consuming porn and what they're consuming has changed during COVID. Oh, yeah. People are looking for a lot less hardcore and much more intimacy. Hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. So it's kind of like, you know, that's why we had her on like what, and she has like one of those things where you can talk directly to her. Yep. And she's like, I'm like, people want what she's finding is much more of the human connection. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I know of, I mean, every time, usually, usually it's men, right. That are like men watch porn, but women also watch porn. And whenever I've talked to girls that do watch porn, they watch lesbian porn because it is more sensual and slower and it's not this aggressive, whatever it may be. The majority that I've spoken to at least said, yeah, they prefer that because it's more sensual. They're not into girls, but they prefer it because it's more. Right. So, but again, like. Should you book a porn star again, it's an interesting question in the t- at, for this particular world we're living in. Yeah. That what people are looking for is vastly, vastly different. Yeah, we had one on. We should probably get her back on <laughs> again and talk about the business. This. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually interesting. It was, we, we did have a, um, a porn actress on and her husband, um, Danny Daniels and Vic Coppola. I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not a, a, the, uh, will be the word of not. Connoisseur. Connoisseur, thank you. I wasn't either. And it's funny because Nick mentioned it to me. He's like, oh, we can get this girl. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, we'll talk to anybody. At the time, it was one of our first, first like, 15 episodes. Well, and clearly you're still talking to anybody because you're talking to me. <laughs> no, please. Yeah, to- <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just anybody. I don't know who that, that is. Low bar that I like no. to at. Keep it going back. Though, you don't get disappointed. Uh, 
(laughs) When we talked to her, it, you know, I had no, no real interest in talking about like the gratuitous side of the business. Like I could care less. I'm, I'm much more interested in the business side of the business and you know, how it worked and the similarities between where that business is now and where music was with Napster and how Napster hurt the, the pay for music business. And it was very interesting conversation, like really interesting. You know, I think a lot of these performers that have become producers. Yeah. They're very smart. Oh, she was very smart. And oh, she owns a bunch. So how we got her is she has a online, like her clothing business and she has an art business. My, my, one of my best friends from here, from home handles her fulfillment, like her e-commerce stuff. Right. And that's how we got to, to know her. But like, yeah, she's a very smart, you know, 30 year old woman who's very now snappy. retired from you know what I mean making all this money has all these businesses they're not dummies so it's it's always interesting to really talk to them again like anything it's behind the scenes it's interesting to understand how the business works and and just you know it's like people are always fascinated how tv shows work yeah I listened to your steve-o episode I love steve-o I I I love 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 him yeah, he he's awesome. But wow. I can tell you, I mean, of all the all the places I've seen Steve and heard him in interviews and stuff, I really thought your interview with him was one of the best. It really like he talked. You guys must be friends. <laughs> yeah, you guys, that was the very first time we'd ever talked. Really, we just hit it off. Yeah, you know? you totally tell. Like it was a very natural conversation, and he, he, I just learned things about him I never knew. I mean, I knew obviously the circus stuff and the crazy things, but it was a great interview, and it just it speaks to the different types of interviews you're doing with people in your podcast. It's not just like one thing across the board. Every episode seems to be a different type of person interview, you know, what you're going to talk about from serious to not serious. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why the name group text made sense to me. Yeah. Because what's on my phone right now. Let's see. Oh, trust me. You do not want me to read the texts. Nick and I's texts would not be. 17 different. (laughs) conversations yeah and we have we started this big giant um group during on a different platform than just regular text and it's one of those ones that disappears supposedly but we all feel a little bit better about that you mean wechat or something uh wicker oh i don't even know that one exactly wow um double secret probation kind of thing and there's 28 of us on it jeez 28 28 of us who all went to college together and it's hilarious. And it's everything from people posting very serious articles. And especially during the height of COVID, someone knew someone and they were posting all this, you know, scientific stuff to obviously a lot about the election to, we also, there's a big thing, a lot of postings of food and it's all the guys, all these guys in this group are like amazing cooks We've watched one of our guy friends built a garden and is growing things. <laughs> it's all over. And that's what I always love. I get so many of my ideas of what I want to talk about from that group. Because today there people were posting pictures of vacations at lakes. Right. And I'm like, mm, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's no show in that for me. But it's hilarious. I bet. It's I bet. hilarious. I'd like to get on the food text chain. <laughs> uh, seriously, at one point, I'm like, enough fucking pictures of food. Especially because I don't cook. I'm a terrible... But like, I, like we would have literally like 20 pictures of food and then they put in bottles of wine and then there's three of them would have this... And you can't get away from it. It's all in the same group. I'll tell you how it worked. Like, I, I, like about a month ago, maybe two months ago, I happened... It was mac and cheese day. Right, like one of these one of these stupid days, National Mac and Cheese Day. <laughs> but I went out and I happened to be in a store and I bought some lobster mac and cheese. I go home, I heat it up in my microwave, I stick it on my counter at home, I go to eat it. I took a picture of it first, and there happened to be a Corona seltzer in the background of this picture. I took it and then posted it on Instagram, just you know, for National Mac and Cheese Day, and I tagged I think Corona seltzer or something. The head of marketing of Corona saw it. DM'd me, thanking me for the support, and sent me three cases of beer that was on my front step within an hour of me posting that picture. On oh my God, I don't, you must have a lot more followers than me because <laughs> I don't get shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
get shit. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you don't get right anything? God, it was, after we left the red carpet and moved to TV Guide and then left there, so my mother passes away. And I'm going to, like, my first event. Nobody would lend me a dress. What? Simply because... Because I'm not important enough. That's insanity. I still cannot get designers to lend me clothes for events. I mean, not that it matters right now. But it, it's... Yeah. Nothing like getting kicked to the... Nothing like being told you're irrelevant. Wow. That's... Now, I mean... I guess this kind of because we want. I wanted to talk about this a little bit. You have a book coming out next yes. next Mother's Day, and it's yes. about it's about your mother, correct or similar? Sort of. Sort of. Explain called, what the book is. It's called Lies My Mother Told Me. Okay. And so we have a very basic jumping off point, um, but people are going to have to figure out if it's a work of fiction or nonfiction. Oh, that's cool. It, <laughs> that's it's cool. basically a comedy book. We're going to put like three true stories in the book and then everyone else, but it's way over the top. It's way over the top. It's a comedy book. When we were out, when my agent was pitching it, um, one of the, the publishing houses that really wanted it at that point said, wow, your mom, these stories. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I made them up. I made them up. <laughs> My mother did not really call the last supper the last brunch. <laughs> like, this is not. Yeah, true. but that's believable that your mom would. Right. But I'm saying, so, but there's whole chapters like this. There's right, a whole right. on how yeah. the French Revolution really started. <laughs> and then that could be, they're worried about the liability. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, it's my mother. I'm an only child. I'm the estate. I'm not suing myself. All right. That's so we ended up with a great publisher, but it was hilarious that people thought that some of these things that I've written that are very over the top were true. Wow. But it's a, I will tell you, it's, it's, I, I, I have a wonderful writing partner and um, who was one of my mother's writing. It was the one writing partner my mother and I shared, which was hilarious. Yeah, I can imagine. And, um, so he really knows her voice. And obviously, I have my voice. So telling the story from my point of view. Right. It, it's, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it sounds like an awesome book. I can't wait to read that. Yeah. You probably, you probably have some amazing stories, like real stories, though. I do. I do. And that was a lot of that was in my uh, book, Book of Joan. Okay. Um, and we're going to mix in some real ones. And, you know, we'll do a little thing at the end that you can take a quiz and see. If you <laughs> How get you do? <laughs> I, I was on a podcast a few months ago called The Liars Club. Mm-hmm. If you if you haven't seen checked it out, if you haven't heard of it, check it out. It's very funny. It's mostly comedians. It's done from the comedy store in LA. Yeah. And you basically go on and you tell two stories. One's a lie, one's the truth. And then people on the panel have to guess what's the truth and what's the lie. And it would like I I listened to a bunch of them before I was on it to like see what the ground rules were. And man, like these stories were insane. Like that couldn't possibly be true. And then the other was like, how could that story be true? And then one of them was true. Yeah. Well, nobody gets mine. Oh, well, that's good. They were all wrong. So I've, my, I've just written a, a, a chapter that I'm pretty sure I will be going to hell for. Um, <laughs> and I was telling one of my very good friends, the topic matter. And she goes, well, you know, that's true. I'm like, what? She's <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like the person I was written the story about, the historical figure. She goes, no, no, that's, that's true. <laughs> oh, <my> shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to make that one of my true ones. Right, right, right. I was, like, I was like, how could I have made something up this ridiculous? <laughs> and have it be true. And my friend is very smart. She's the head of a museum. She's like, no, no, that, that, that's actually true. And pulls it up on her phone to show me. I'm like, Damn. Damn it. There's that fucking chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Put it it in. We'll have to figure which one that is. Yeah. So, but I mean, before we go, I I do want to talk about what's coming out on your mom on Comedy Dynamics next year, which is they're putting out a whole bunch of never before seen. Heard. 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 Uh, Yeah. A lot of, I've finally, you know, doing something with the archives. Wow. But do you that's think comedy cool. is dead? I've been doing a little mini series on my on my podcast that's about to be released. 
talking to different comedians and writers. Is comedy dead? Is comedy on life support? Are we allowed to be creative? Are we allowed to laugh anymore? You mean because you're of the cancel culture? Or yeah, you're saying because people are so sensitive? Yeah. You know, so I feel like this, and the reason I ask is this stuff of my mom's is edgy, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine because it's in historical context. Right. I think I think it's only and I think it's only a small percentage of people that are making a lot of noise about but they're loud. They're loud. But also if you look at, you know, the comedy slash podcast space, you look at all these stand ups, right? Look at Joe Rogan. That is the biggest podcast in the entire world. Right. He's yeah. a stand up comic. He goes and sells out arenas with Dave Chappelle. 25,000 people. So, I mean, yes, there's a loud, small percentage, but I don't think comedy's ever going to die. I don't think like, so either. And I'll tell you, they, Bill Burr just announced two shows out here in Connecticut at one of these outdoor farms where they're allowed to have shows. They sold out in like 30 seconds. I think everybody wants to laugh. Yeah. But and, the question for me is, okay, and more from a different perspective, though, you couldn't make Airplane today. You right. couldn't make no. Blazing today. Oh, definitely not. You couldn't make animal Start crazy animal yeah any of those any of these well i used to ask i asked my dad about this too my father's 70 years old and i used i grew up watching the dean martin rose with i actually talked to jeff rose ross about our roast gonna ever come back i think so i mean you look at those roasts right like let's use don rickles as an example all races jewish whatever black they're all ripping on each other and pretty harshly but yeah. everyone laughing and smiling and like i was like this couldn't be done nowadays they're they're openly making fun of frank sinatra's mafia connections like shit you can't do can't do that anymore but it's it's great like why would like the stuff that's i'm sure that's going to come out that your mom did like people are going to love that my dad's going to love that i do i think there's going to be a revolution the other way right because i I, I think it's how the person that is getting attacked handles it is to ha- what ultimately will happen, right? So if you look at a couple of recent examples, Chris D'Elia, who, who, you know, it's, it's sex stuff with minors and I'm, I'm sure there's, that's that's, that's, no, of course there that's is a hundred percent, but there's always, you know, truths and untruths to any given story. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I think he chose, and again, I don't know him at all, but I think he chose to go and hide until it goes away, which, you know, if there's truth to it, it's never going to go away. If there isn't any truth to it, it will go away like a lot of these things do pretty quickly, and then he'll come back and you'll see what happens. But then like Joey Diaz, who, you know, did a bit, right, and now someone is trying to make something out of it. He didn't sit down. He literally went after it, was like, screw you. This was a bit like hard after it and no effects whatsoever for like a minute, right? So I think it depends on how the person handles it. Of course, any, you know, minors, like that's terrible, you know, whatever. But I think it, it just, it ha- it's all circumstantial. I, think- I, I wish I could be as optimistic as you. Um, in the sense of, I think what we're going to lose is, is first of all, nothing should ever be done. That's me. Right. You know what I mean? There's, you know, and there's jokes about different cultures and we all know them, but I think it's going to end so much creativity. And I think you're going to find some of the people like my mother or a, a Richard Pryor in his day or any of these people in there, even a Robin Williams in their day. You don't want them to start second guessing themselves. But because- do you think your mom would have done that? Like of everything I've ever, like I've been, I'm a huge fan of your mom, huge, right? Since I remember when she had the 11 o'clock show, you know, right. we're around the same age, so we're in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. So I, I'm an absolutely huge fan of your mom. She's one of my all time favorite people ever to go on the Howard Stern show. I mean, like, forget women comedians when i hate people use women as a comedian, right, right. just comedians. She's one of the funniest people ever to talk in front of a microphone ever. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right? And I cannot like believe that your mom would center herself under any circumstance. Again, but you're taking someone from a different era and putting them here. I feel like Dave Chappelle is truly the only one who is allowed to truly walk that line, that edge, because there is such an honesty to it. Right. He and does it very well. Too. I can't be bought kind yeah. of thing that he almost gets... I hate to say it, a pass. Yeah. But no one could be doing what he's doing. 
Right. I think what concerns me is more in the next group of comedians and writers is have we taken away, is it, are they going to be so scared that you're going to be stifling this kind of creativity? Right. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get know. these movies because people are going to be scared. I don't, well, I don't think so. I mean, I, there's, I could use two examples. There's, you ever heard of this comedian, Tim Dillon? He's relatively no. like, he's hitting it big now. He's in LA now. Yeah, LA guy. He was a New York guy. He's ve- very smart, very educated, but very direct. And this dude's selling out places left and right. Another guy, Tom Segura. I love him. One of my favorites. Now, he made that comment in his special Disgraceful, that was like three years ago, about how Louisiana and Cajun people suck, right? And people, you know, reached out to him and got mad, but he went and just booked immediately two shows in Louisiana right out. You know what I mean? So, like, I see things like that, and I'm like, no, it's fine. And they sold out, by the way, those shows. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So, it's like, it's, it's really such a small percentage that's being so loud i really yeah. believe i really I, don't believe comedy is going anywhere the, the younger guys are doing it now they we've spoken to a lot of them a lot of people we, at the comedy store and we they're fighting we, yeah. i just you know my big fear is always again are we stifling creativity and i'm not saying people should be racist for this or that or the other but i mean my mom called it as she saw it she at the end of her life she would walk on stage and unleash a string of racial slurs like you have never heard. <laughs> and you would hear the whole room go, <gasps> and you hear the air suck out of it. And she would wait a beat and she goes, we're all something. Now let's get started. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, that really is the way I, I you know, I, I think the Eddie Murphy special that Netflix is supposed to be doing is still coming out at some point. I don't you know. You can do raw. You can oh. delirious. Oh, oh I mean, my God. Delirious. You know, what's funny. I, when I was a sophomore in high school, I went to see Eddie Mur- uh, Murphy at um, radio city Music Hall with my parents and two of my high school friends. Right. right? And it was between delirious and raw. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was basically some of the delirious stuff and then obviously things that right. happened in raw. And, I mean, obviously, filthy, racist, every, sexist, like every homophobic, every single thing possible. So he he only has that to compare, you know, granted 30 years ago to his next stand up special. So I'm very curious to see where that special lands and what his material is. That's what I'm saying is it, it that's what makes, you know, I'm glad that you guys, because you're especially much more keyed into the whole sort of younger, newer comedian world. That's my fear is that you know, people start second guessing themselves and you're never going to have another Lenny Bruce or you're never going to have another Richard Pryor or you're never going to have, and I'm not talking about the ones that already exist, another Joan Rivers or any of those people who, you know, are that fear is going to stifle so much of it. And I certainly hope not. I am, you know, one of the, you know, I feel like I'm grandfathered in with all these comedians. I mean, I grew up at the feet of the best, Yeah, you know, I, I, I and I just hope that that doesn't disappear. I hope that the next of that generation who is willing to sort of speak truth to power in a way doesn't get scared. Yeah, I I really don't think I hope not either, but I really don't think so. Even a guy that like Eddie, Eddie very, Murphy. That makes me very happy to hear. Yeah, Eddie Murphy also is another guy who's kind of untouchable in a way. Like him and Chappelle, especially Chappelle, who's like, hey. I'm, uh, I'm going to go live on a farm in Ohio. Fuck everybody. <laughs> like, really, really fuck everybody. Yeah. He just does his own shows. Doesn't he, he shows up. There's stories of him showing up at, like, comedy clubs. Joe Rogan tells a story. He got off stage in Denver, and Chappelle's there. And he's like, dude, you should go up. And Chappelle's like, should I? He's like, what do you mean? He just flew here. He's like, yeah, I just flew to Denver. I heard you were here. I wanted to see you. And he's like, get out there. And he does an hour kills like he's just in his own I mean, but, he's, but again he's a genius he is yeah. he is in that same conversation as is a chris rock yeah. as i mean they 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 for me are in that same conversation i don't think well, we'll see we, i i i my i'm holding out hope me too it doesn't turn into nothing but blue comedy from here on out yeah. <laughs> that that we know a, gr- a, gr- a couple of great ones but it would bum me out beyond belief i tell you i would tell this one one thing so i 
about 2012, like this whole cancel culture thing. This is when I thought I literally had this feeling. I was like, there's going to be a problem. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but in 2012, a bunch of kids, there's a video of a bunch of kids at Yale screaming at their professor about a Halloween costume choice or something like that. Like they were going to have a Halloween party and someone showed up as a, I don't know. It wasn't even that ridiculous. And the professor was in a group email and he basically, the professor was like, Hey, we're all adults. Like everyone's okay. Like we're all right. And there was literally a group of kids just screaming at this professor in the middle of Yale. And I was, and I remember at that moment being like, something's changing, like something's coming. I don't know what it is, but like, that's so strange to me. Well, I, my son will see something or, or say something or one of us will say something. He's like, you can't say that. You can't, <laughs> say that. you can't say that. That's wrong. And I'm like, you have so much fucked up comedy DNA and you shut up. <laughs> you want to say, that is not from our side of the family. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, amazing. You can't say that. I'm like, I hate you for being right. <laughs> That's true. That's awesome. So, I mean, we've talked about an awful lot of stuff and this has been an amazing time for us. We really appreciate it. I hope it wasn't boring. Boring. Are you crazy? <laughs> like I said, I call it a very low bar. Very well, like keep the bar low, <laughs> end up succeeding more than you realize. I've well, said that so many times in my life. I was like, yeah. just keep your expectations down here, just right yeah. down by yeah, your. I can't disappoint you. Yeah, I told someone <laughs> yesterday that I start out at a two and I dial it back from there. Perfect. <laughs> so, but this was like a nine and a half, ten, easy. Oh, easy thank for you. Us. Yeah, this was great. Thank you for taking so, the time. Really, obviously, that. group text podcast everyone's got to find it you guys on group text anytime you want anytime Anytime. i'll I'll find a topic that works for you guys it'll probably be something silly i'm down with silly okay silly or serious i don't give a shit either one i'll do both (laughs) now nick knows where his prostate is so almost everything is on the table i i personally will sleep better at night (laughs) (laughs) i i I will too actually it's it was it was a challenging afternoon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i was tired whatever shut up greg uh, all right so <laughs> we're gonna direct everyone next week you have to get yours checked right at your age i guess whatever okay I'm just yeah. yeah it's uh, that time it's been checked plenty of times um, <laughs> <laughs> um anyway thank you very much we'll we'll direct everyone to all your stuff we can't wait for the book your mom's yeah. stuff comes out next year everyone's gonna have to watch listen to all of that yeah. um and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye, Melissa. You're the best. Talk soon.